podcast welcome to no worries if not my name is aaron watson tuning that is, yep i'm andrew stanley what's your what's the full name andrew walker stanley andrew it is very good to see you how have you been how's your week i have been good watson um i just got back from wyoming slash montana had some fun shows oh they merged into one state yeah they're combining that makes sense oh sorry i don't think i was supposed to say that yet they told me <laughs> And they were like, don't tell anyone yet. We haven't announced it. Oh, well, breaking so, news. We'll cut that. Yeah. Um, but I was in uh, Monyoming and uh, had a fun show in Wyoming outside. Shows outside are not that fun. Right. What is the weather like out there? It's great. It was like 60s. Okay. But sunny and no humidity. So very refreshing. Perfect. But the show sounds was like, terrible. You're right. Yeah. Well, it was great. It was great to be outside, but the show was like 400 people, and the closest person to me was like 30 yards away. That's awkward. And it was a child building a blanket fort during my set. No one's ever built a fort in did, the audience. Did they have a good sense of, of humor, though? Yeah, I was. I had to do. Four, I got to do 45 minutes, hmm. um, and it was very fun. You just can't hear a lot of the laughs because they're so far away and they're outside. But you focus on their faces, and you can see the people that are enjoying it but truly the closest person to me was a child building a fort from blankets towels and chairs and about 30 minutes into my set i was just like just complimenting the fort (laughs) Um, but it was very fun did they receive that well the child yeah the child received it uh it was very interactive um but it was in sheridan wyoming was very fun and then we my fiance Anna was with me, and we went to Billings, Montana, the next night because that's where we were flying home from. And we were walking around before dinner, and we saw a flyer that said "stand-up comedy competition." You do that, and it's I was perfect. like, "I'm a stand-up comedian." And we looked, and it was that night. So we went on Facebook, and I signed up for it. And uh, it was like the it was at this bar really close to where we were, and so we just showed up. And I was like, hey, I just signed up a few hours ago. Can I do a set? And they were like, oh, yeah, we got you down. You're 15th. Out of? Out of 15. Out of 15. And I was like, okay. So we hung around for a while. And, um, you know, like any comedy show where people can just sign up, there was a lot of good and mostly, you know, people that signed Other. up. Other, yep. <laughs> and uh, I was feeling pretty confident. Yeah. Uh, and they finally call me up. The host is like, all right, we got this late sign-up. He's actually in town from, looks like Atlanta, Georgia. That's pretty weird. But, hey, that's what I like about these shows. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, we'll see what he's got. So they thought you were just a tourist. They thought I was just a guy. Oh, uh, you're not a guy. You're a stand-up guy. I got my secret weapon. It's the only, th- only thing I'm good at. <laughs> right. And it went great. I won $75. Mm. Took $75 from the Billings slash Bozeman comedy community. Did, I feel so bad for those people. 
they're like they're they're from some big city, and they're like, I just want to move to the Midwest. You know, so I'm gonna be a big fish, small pond. My neighbors are are bison. And I can just do comedy, and people will love it. And I'm going to run this town. And I'm going to win all the competitions. Yeah, they were all from, they were all from Los Angeles. Um, no, either, they, you either go to Austin or Billings, Montana. No, I did feel bad. The person that got second place was fantastic and had only been doing stand-up a year. And I was trying to be really encouraging. Um, but uh, he won money also. Good. So that was How good. much? 25? I didn't ask. It had to be 25. You're 75, ask. even 100. Makes sense. Um, yeah. But uh, that was really fun. It felt a little bit bad, but also... It was fun. I, my plan was if I won to buy a round of drinks for everybody, mm-hmm. but because the show ended, they had a band right after. Everybody just kind of left right after the competition, and then it was just all these new people at the bar. I'm like, I'm not going to buy a round for all these people that they don't even, deserve it. Weren't even here for this. They didn't do anything. No, they just showed. They were late. No, you just wanted to give a peace offering, an olive branch to people that you just crushed. They, you probably just ruined. They, they're done with stand up. Um, I think they'll keep going. Uh, probably not. They had some. They had some good stuff going. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> That's all right. How have things been going for you, Aaron? Uh, have things, you won any comedy competitions? I have not in? won any comedy uh, competitions. One thing we did decide to start doing in our intros is that, you know you always have either stand up stories or you plug your stand up shows coming up. Mm-hmm. I just uh, sit at home. I have nothing, so I watch stuff and listen to stuff. So yeah. I want to recommend. A piece of content every week. I think that's great. Because I've already been doing that. I've gotten messages that are like, hey, Neon Moon, that's my favorite thing in the world now. Well, I enjoy your recommendations because they're never like, hey, you got to watch Ted Lasso. It's like, yeah. yeah, everybody says that. Like, But you have you have like deep cut recommendations. Yeah. I'm not, so, your, I'm not your basic bro. You're not recommending. Yeah, exactly. So what do you got? What do you got for us this week? Uh, there's a, a sitcom on NBC called The Office. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no, I want to. Yeah, I want to uh, talk about a movie available on Peacock on P- Peacock Plus. <laughs> Maybe I don't know a uh, movie. This is on HBO. Okay, I know you've seen it. I think we've talked about it. Class Action Park. Oh yeah, it is a documentary. It was nominated for Best Picture, but still, a lot of people haven't seen it. It is one of the most fascinating <laughs> just ideas for a documentary uh, in New Jersey, mm-hmm. which, as we all know, there's no laws there. No laws. In the 80s and early 90s, there was a water park called Action Park. And it was run by a psychopath that was had mob ties. And he would just hire these crazy teens that just wanted a party to work at his water park. And he would just come up with these insane ride ideas and just build them. Yeah, they didn't even make sense. They didn't make like, sense at all. There's no safety requirements. Like physics didn't really no. work its way into the... Process. Apparently, one of those parties, um, someone was like, "Hey, let's build a loop, a water slide loop." And he was like, "You know what? I'm on it." So he just builds it at, on some random field, and they pay these teenagers like twenty bucks to test ride it, test Who slide wants to it. Go first through the no seatbelt loop. Yep, and it happened for you know a week of testing, and most people were just knocked out when they got at the end of the slide. They're yeah, I remember there were a lot of concussions. A lot of concussions, and they eventually were like, hey, this was the only one, or they're like, this is too much. And when they tore it down, they found so many teeth yeah. in the loop. People's <laughs> teeth got stuck in the slide. Yeah, but it's an amazing documentary. Um, Johnny Knoxville and that crew did, do you know about this? They did a movie based on it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, where they did a bunch of stunts, but also it was a narrative movie. Okay. It's fascinating. Chris Gethard is an amazing comedian we both love. 
Yep. He grew up going to that park, so he's uh, he's one of the people they interview. And it's yeah. a great documentary. Please watch it. You'll love it. Yeah, and we have no financial stake in it. This is a true recommendation. No, but you know what does have financial stake in something? This is a rough transition. Our sponsor. Oh, sponsor. Who uh, uh, definitely paid us to read the words that you're about to read. Yep, here we go. I have the ad copy right here. I'll uh-huh. take this one. Are you very excited about this partnership? All right. You know when a celebrity dies and everyone posts about how sad they are? Yeah. And you want people to think you're sad too, so you post about it, but you know it's kind of insincere and that you want to be included? Yeah, I do. You're like, shoot, Prince died? I wish I had a print shirt or a purple rain on vinyl so I can make everyone think I was a massive fan. Well, allow me to introduce you to R.I.P. and me. (laughs) This new venture is an around-the-clock subscription service ready to deliver a topical care package whenever a beloved celebrity bites the dust. That way, your self-serving posts and their memory will seem 15 to 20% more genuine. (laughs) When Carrie Fisher passed, we delivered over 100 packages to subscribers who were kind of fans within eight hours, making sure our RIP and me fam were ready to selfishly post in no time. We're currently ready for over 500 celebrity explorations, including old legends like Clint Eastwood, Julie Andrews, Cher, and more. We're also prepared for many other younger celebs who we feel (laughs) might bite the dust soon, such as Miley Cyrus and Guy Fieri. And once Betty White finally kicks the oxygen habit... What? Say that again? Once Betty White finally kicks the oxygen habit... Mm. That's it. We'll be ready for a whole lot more celebrity deaths. We've been expecting Betty to go for 20 years now, and we're a bit overstocked on Betty stuff. Hurry up and head out, B. Enter code no worries if dead for 20% off your first month of RIP and me. Don't let Harrison Ford cash in his life chips without having a Lego, Millennium Falcon, and Indiana Jones hat delivered to your door the very next morning. Whoa, R.I.P. and me. Thank you so much. Uh, Feels like a prophecy that I... Yeah, because it's funny, but then if it happens, mm, you're a witch, and we gotta burn you. Okay. Think you'd drown me. They burned and drowned witches. Did they? Just to be double sure? Well, to see if they were witches, they would put them in water, and if they died, they were like, oh, that wasn't a witch. But if they floated and survived, they are like, that's a witch. And then they took them out of the water, and they burned them. So if you get thrown in the water... You're like, all right, I guess I'm going to die no matter what. I just got to choose if I want to drown or burn. And you don't like horror movies, but you know the real stuff? Oh, yeah. I, well, I like to be aware of what's going on around me. That's going on around you? I read The Crucible in high school. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> um, let's talk about our guest for today. Our guest. Oh, love that guy. Justin Schoendorf, who is the owner slash founder slash, what do we call him? Jester? The king. The king of the, the court. Uh, the chief monk. Yep, yep. He owns, started Monk's Meadery. If you don't know what that is, I get it. Not a ton of people do. Mead is the very first kind of alcohol that people drank. It's the OG. Back in the Game of Thrones times. Yeah, back in the very real Game of Thrones times, uh-huh. that's what they were drinking out of chalices and goblets. And dragon's mouths. And right out of the dragon's mouth, of probably. course. Yeah. So we talked to him about uh, mead, what it is, the the whole journey, 
Um, how he got into me. How he got into it, and where they're at now, which is very interesting. You'll hear my uh, my personal story, but they opened their tap room. It's George's first meadery, but they opened it right across the street from me. So me and my neighbors have been going all the time, and we love it. Everyone there is great, and we were excited to have him on. He brought a lot of mead for us to try, and it is. I did not really expect to love it, and I really loved it. Yeah, we loved it hard. So... All that to say, please enjoy this conversation with Justin Schoendorf from Monk's Meadery. It is time to meet our guest, Justin Schoendorf. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, The CEO, founder, king of Monk's Meadery. What's the title? Um, I don't even have a title on my card, uh, but I am the owner. I'm the mead maker, and um, I just do, I wash the dishes. I do it all. Yeah, I think King. I liked King. King goes with the monk vibe a little bit. I don't know. Kings weren't monks, right? Like the monk yeah. was a different order. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't go with it at all. I, yeah, yeah, I mean like more the medieval, you know, like a little. I think we're in the same time period, but, you know, like the, you know, the church and the state... That's true. There's a lot in that what time is, period. There's bees. There's dirt. I like guess name anything. It's, you know, what I could is, be like the archbishop, maybe the yeah. friar. Is the friar in charge of the monks? I don't know. Jester. I I really don't know. I just like alliterations, and monks mead kind of made sense. Yeah. So I don't really know much about monks. <laughs> it just it just had an M. So it just we had an M, it. And, and and it seemed fitting, right? Like mead seems old, monks seem old. Yeah, that's. I think more companies should be named that way. <laughs> yeah, just like I don't know, it just it just kind of it just kind of goes. It makes total sense. This is my uh, monks mead story. Is that uh, we've seen some signs in my neighborhood in uh, just east of Atlanta, and we didn't know what it was. Me and my neighbors, were like, what is that? I don't know. What is a meadery? I, I truly had no idea. Figured it was alcohol of some kind, but I, I had no context. So ran into a friend, and they're like, hey, we're going to this place. Like, yeah, I've been wanting to try it. So we go, try it a little bit, talk to um, one of your employees. I think it was Troy. It was Troy. Of course was... his name is Troy. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Yeah. Well, yeah, Troy, it's, you know, medieval. Is that yeah. medieval? I guess not. I'm thinking of the movie Troy, and there's, like, fighting is that Is that real? Troy? Did, any of, did that stuff happen? This is a dumb question. Why are you asking us? <laughs> Y'all know, because I'm dumb. Like Game of Thrones, people will say like, yeah, you know, like back then it was like this. Like, there's no back then. That's fantasy. That's not real. Are you asking if a guy did got the Battle shot of Troy happen? I don't know about him? that. The because Trojan horse is that real? Justin, you know, you're smarter than us. I don't know that I am. You don't know? I think this is why we get along. I think the Trojan horse was real. These our listeners are going nuts right now. <laughs> They're just like, why are we listening to this? Oh, and I'm not going to look it up. We're just gonna. Not know for the rest Trojan of Trojan horse, the idea of it's very real. You know, the, the story is real, and it's impacted a lot of us. So that makes it real. Yeah, that makes sense. So I was talking to Troy. Troy is a real person. I know that much. Mm-hmm. Can't confirm that. Uh, and he was wonderful. And me and Shonik, who was our first guest on the podcast, and his girlfriend Piper, tried some mead, loved it, went back to my condo building, talked to my neighbors, and we've been wanting to try it. So we went back. That's true. It is true. And then we hung out with Justin, and he gave us 
the rundown on what meat is and the business and all of it. And we had the best time. And now I'm a raving fan. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me to all that. I really appreciate it. You got invited. I, I, think I, I think I did get invited. I think I was out of town. That was the following week. It is uh, now so a week. You weekly went back thing. twice. Your first night, you went back like a like an addict. I'm a meathead. He went straight back to the mead. He did. It was great because he came in and he was he was a little apprehensive, and Troy was persistent. He and was. It, and so one of our <laughs> things is you don't walk in the door and just look. You're gonna taste something, unless you're underage, and. Uh, Aaron's of age, and so he had a few samples, and then he became a customer because he he bought a four pack to take with him, mm-hmm. and then he brought it to his neighbors, and they were like, "Ooh, this is interesting. Let's go check this out." Yep. And then it wasn't but three hours later that Aaron and six or seven other people walked right back in the door, which you, was awesome. You had no idea how good it was for Aaron to come in there because all of a sudden I'm just on Instagram and it's just like. <laughs> Y'all gotta try mead. mead. It's mead. I'm a mead guy now, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I guess I guess it gotta try mead. And he has like thousands and thousands of followers. I was excited. When it, I mean, it's alcohol. It's been around for forever. When do you just try a whole new genre of alcohol that you don't know existed? That's true. Yeah, you don't never. Think, yeah, I've never seen it on a menu. And now I'm gonna start looking for it. But before we get any further into this, Justin, what is mead? <laughs> that's yeah. That's a good place to start. Um, so mead is the oldest form of alcohol. And it is derived from honey. And so it predates beer, wine, of course, liquor. And it even um, it predates agriculture. So if you think about it, right, like you would make wine from grapes that you would grow. And then you had surplus of grapes uh, that you weren't eating that you would then turn into something recreational like alcohol. And... Um, honey was, you know, people liked sweet things. They knew where to get it. You'd smash open a hive and it's not far fetched to think that some rainwater got in a batch of honey and then it became magical and, uh, with a little natural fermentation with some wild yeasts and people liked what that was doing. And, um, and so that's how I'm sure the first meads were. So the first mead was probably an accident. I think the first was definitely an accident, and um, and when you look at recipes that are three, four, five hundred years old, um, mankind didn't even know what yeast was until roughly two hundred years ago, and so people had kind of like these uh, hunches of what they needed to do in order to activate fermentation. Yeah, and, they had hunchbacks back then. Yeah, and. Um, they, uh, one of the recipes that I looked at, they would throw bread into the honey water solution, right? Cause that's how they were adding bread yeast to activate the fermentation. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I can't even imagine what these things would have tasted like. Um, but today with modern advances and, uh, technology, right? Like we know what things are doing, what to your product and it's amazing. So you've got a lot of control, and you can make a really clean and very tasty beverage. And the reason why I like mead is it's so versatile. So I can I can control how alcoholic it is, uh, depending on how much honey I'm going to blend with water. And so the more honey, the more sugar. The yeast eats the sugar to create alcohol, and so that's basically uh, how you can control it. Um, Whereas in wine, you're kind of given whatever God gave you, right? Like my Pinot Noir is at X sugar level, 
and then that's kind of what you've got. Um, and so mead, I've always liked to zag when other people zig. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's unique, it's different. And I think that's why it brought you into it, right? Cause you had absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and so it's great, you know, having the tasting room, the interface with the consumer, cause we're introducing the category to people every day. Yeah. Right. Cause you were George's first meadery. We are the first meadery. Uh, we've been around for 10 years, but um, at the time that we got licensed, uh, we were not allowed to have a tasting room. And so it was years later that the laws kind of caught up. And then it took me a minute to find a place, get licensed, build it out, and all that to get open. So we've only been open for a couple of months, but I've been in business. But all of my product has always gone through a distributor. And then it goes to liquor stores where it's in like that back corner where it's dusty and the light bulbs out. So it's hard to find. Right. The uh, mead corner. The mead corner. And no one's yeah. really looking for it. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. yeah. That, that's where they keep surplus boxes of It's actually Fanta. In, the, in the men's restroom. If you go to that stall at the corner that doesn't work, that's where we keep the mead. It's mm-hmm. room temperature, but it is affordable. Exactly. No, that's awesome. So, um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a wild ride. Uh, mead back in the day I had a couple more questions about that is that a is it fancy like was it for you know richer people or the peasants slash hunchbacks um i don't know what the <laughs> hunchbacks drink because i just think about wine like i feel like all the rich people are drinking wine so is it more of like a, a commoners thing i'm just pulling out all the words i know from this time period hunchback seems like something you're gonna get in trouble for saying so much <laughs> look it was it was that cartoon and now i feel like I guess you can call someone a hunchback. Yeah, people lived in clock towers, and they... Yeah. I don't know. You clock tower it, dweller, It was you like that, hunchback. Right? <laughs> Just sounds wrong. What was your question? Who was mead for back then? Or was it prevalent? Was everyone drinking it? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Um, but I would only speculate that um, it was it was something that was sought after people wanted it it was a i would think it was a, a bit of a treat to have it right okay. you had to have you wouldn't want to burn your honey supply making alcohol and True. then and then the i guess the this is a good segue uh for the word honeymoon so the word honeymoon comes from mead and the reason why is a newly married couple one of the goals right is to have a child and so right whoa with the, with the the woman's cycle, is this news sorry, for you? Andrew? I just got engaged. He's, he's about to get married. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, sorry, <laughs> this is a lot to process right now. Go ahead. Yep. Yep. So uh, this is coming, and um, <laughs> so the goal, right, is to have a child, and the woman's cycle is a month, and so they'd send the newly married couple off for the cycle of a moon, and they would give that couple a supply of alcoholic honey, right? So mead. Uh, so that it would increase uh, libido, inhibitions, make sure that you're doing all the things in order to make babies. And you do it for the appropriate amount of time. You'll catch that window. And hopefully you will be with child uh, just a mere month later. Whoa. All right. So you that's, don't know, you don't know, if amazing. Me- you don't know if meads are for commoners, but you know a lot about medieval libido. Kind of yep. <laughs> sus. All right. That's uh that's Fascinating that that's where the word honeymoon comes from. Yep. I'm going to make sure we don't drink any mead on our honeymoon. 
Well, rest assured, uh, modern technology supersedes all all the history and lore that Mead could do for you on your honeymoon, <laughs> and um, you, you should be fine. You'll be able to drink plenty. So there's some methods to counteract the seductive powers of the Mead. Absolutely. Okay, great. All right, I'll talk to you. Man, uh, I just have so many questions about this time period. I know you're not an expert. On the, <laughs> Tell us more history. about monks, dude. Does not, did no one get married and just like chill for a couple years? No, and just like, I just want to play video games for a little bit and like chill. They didn't live that long. They had to get busy. Oh, true. Yeah. And they had like land and they needed kids to plow it with them. Yeah. yeah. You needed yeah. workers. You needed workers. This is unbelievable. This is great. Yeah. Well, I would imagine that that the mead was a bit of a luxury, like you said, because you had to have enough honey that you could be patient with it. You Absolutely. did not just consume it right away. Yeah. But all you had to have really to make the first version of it you said it was just honey and then water right correct and then yeah. yeast you would well they didn't know what yeast was right, right, so right. they just knew that like they needed magic to happen right and so it was like <laughs> they would hope um yeah, come here witch it came from the heavens <laughs> it yeah it did and so yeah. you know all alcohol was sacred to some point some extent right because they didn't know what was really causing fermentation and so, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of fermentations weren't very good. And I imagine if you had a good batch of something, it was celebrated and sacred, right? Like you were pumped that the gods presented you with this alcoholic wine or beer or mead uh, that w- that turned out flawless. Yeah, they sh- you've been shown favor. Yep. That's amazing. Is mead your favorite type of alcohol? Um, I've tried a lot of different meads. I do like what I produce. Um, but I like beer. I like wine. I like, I like cocktails. I like it all. Okay. Do I have to pick? I don't have to pick a favorite. You don't have to, but I just didn't know if you were like, you know, I've tried it all, but I tried mead and I was like, I'm going to devote my entire career to this because it is my favorite thing in the world. No, you know, I started off, uh, brewing beer in the early two thousands. I'd moved to Georgia and at the time, uh, you couldn't buy beer that was above 6% in the state. Hmm. And so my roommates and I got a beer brewing book and we went out to make double box and Belgian styles and everything we possibly could. That was the highest alcohol we could make. And then in the back of every beer brewing book, there's a chapter on mead and it was really fairly simple to do and you could control how alcoholic it was. So our first batches of this stuff were 15, 16%. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, we just did it the same process that we did. You were highly favored by the gods. <laughs> we were, yeah, we, we, we had a, we had an in and, um, and then we just put it in 12 ounce beer bottles. And so like one mead was like drinking three Budweiser's or more. And so, you know, we were early twenties and having a good time. Yep. And so this, it made sense. And so the, the recipe of the regular monk's mead is, you know, basically that same recipe, slightly refined and with a little more, uh, precision. I love it. Um, I would like to try some. Yeah. You brought us some. <laughs> we did, we've, as, as in the past, we've demanded that all our guests, our guests bring us a gift. Yep. And I was hoping that the gift would be mead. And sure enough, plenty of mead. I, I mean, I've tried so much in the last <laughs> three weeks. But give me some more. <laughs> Aaron is full on mead guy. And what is this? What so is this the one? first thing we're going to start with is our original flagship, which is the monk's mead. And uh, this is traditional 
So a traditional mead is just the honey and water. Um, typically higher in ABV, ours is 11.9%. And the only thing that would maybe make it not traditional is that it has bubbles. And so I think, you know, a hundred and or three or 500 years ago, you wouldn't um, have a great way to have a vessel that could hold in the bubbles um, to, to make a, a bubbly product. I love it. Can I read the description on here? This is great. Absolutely. You're holding a bottle filled with the history of the world. <laughs> known, <laughs> known as the nectar of the gods, mead has been a part of mankind's story from the very beginning. Imbibed? Is that how you say it? Imbibed. Imbibed. <laughs> imbibed by the Egyptian gods, toasted by Romans, and indulged by Vikings after battle, mead's history is rich with lore. Monk's Mead is our modern version of mead, and we hope you'll make it a part of your story. Enjoy, Martin and Justin. And it says that there's a story in every drop. That's awesome. Have you tried it yet? No, I'm about to. No, I hope you like it. I was busy reading. That's really nice. Yeah. That's really nice. That's not what I was expecting. I was expecting it to taste more like beer, but it almost has like more of like a white wine vibe. Yep. Totally. Am, I, am I an idiot? No, not at all. I think, um, you know, we use a champagne yeast to ferment it and it's dry. So it's got um, pretty low residual sugar, similar to that of white wine or mm-hmm. red wine. And, um, and this is a way I think is great to start any tasting kind of gets you into what this category is. Yeah. Um, you know, if we were doing it's a wine, one one, if we were doing a wine tasting with, you know, normal grape wine, um, I always think it's fun to start any tasting if, with, if you've got it with champagne. Uh-huh. Um, and so this is maybe the closest thing to champagne. And I would uh, encourage you to use mead as your wedding toast. Uh, when I should. You, if, oh. only I, if only I had a connection. <laughs> I, I, a mead guy. <laughs> I, I know a guy. I know a guy. Our friend Seanick said when he first tried it, he said, this is what we thought wine tasted like when we were kids. And I was like, that's, that's kind of true. <laughs> It is what well, has that like honey aftertaste, which is really nice. Because I don't normally like sweet drinks as much, but this is like a mild sweet that I actually really like. I would, I would enjoy this in a very responsible way. Of course. But of course. Uh, but of we course. would expect nothing less. Give me more. Please. So, oh, what's the other one? So oh, I yeah, think we the, can go to the, the next one. Oh, okay. This has a great name. So this is Peachin' to the Choir. Uh, you know, we want to follow this kind of religious theme that we've got. And um, this was a way to make mead that isn't so alcoholic. So this is a session style. So this is 5.3. So we blend the the water that gets blended with the honey is made into a tea first. So it's a peach tea. And um, and then we blend it with the, the honey and then it's fermented. And I think this is delicious. Okay. This is so cool. I'm having a great time. Yeah, I hope this translates to the audio platform. I hope you guys are enjoying how this tastes. I hope you guys have prepared for this podcast by gathering many bottles of mead to try along with us. This is, I, I think I've tried all like 20 or so that y'all have yep. at the tap room. This one and I think the apple one are my favorites. Okay. Just so you know. Okay. Now I know. I love Not that that matters at all, but I love this yeah. one. This tastes just like a really refreshing peach drink. Yeah, it's 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 like a Snapple, but it's alcoholic and not near as sweet as a Snapple. Yeah, right. it is a Snapple that will make you dance. 
<laughs> and other things. <laughs> and other things. I don't know. Little, little errands coming up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. Um, okay, so how about, you know, you started with beer and you dabbled in mead. Walk us through how you got to where you're at now with the Monk's Meadery Tap Room. Yeah. So it's been a heck of a journey. Um, so we first set out to raise money, right? And so this is like early 2000s, like five, six. And no one wanted to invest in this unknown product and give us money for a brick and mortar. Everyone wanted to know like what technology you were going to invent and solve. And then they wanted to know what the exit strategy was, like how you were going to cash out. And so building this long-term play didn't really make sense. And my dad's not rich and he wouldn't give me any money anyway. So, um, so we ended up following the same path that Terrapin did, uh, per their recommendation. And then, uh, conveniently we actually made our first batch at Terrapin. Terrapin's a, a very large brewery. Correct. In the Southeast based out of Athens. Yep. It is not a, a turtle. Yep. It is not. And so, uh, the owners of Terrapin, they started off contracting and so making an, an somebody else's facility. But the, the catch for us is that in the eyes of the government, mead is wine. So we're, we pay all wine taxes and I hold a winery license. How does that compare to beer? Well, it's just a different license. You know, if you, but taxes, why like, does it taxes it, are different. Um, so it's all convoluted and I could bore you for days on right. weird nuances about different laws. For, so it's not better or worse or easier or harder than having a beer license. It's just different. Yep. It's just gotcha. different. And you know, there's some things that are better and some things that are worse. So like it's kind of a wash. Um, and so the hard part was, is that we used or wanted to use all beer brewing equipment and we wanted to operate inside a brewery, but the brewery doesn't have a wine license to legally make the product. So then we needed to get a license. And so to my knowledge, we are the first, uh, time or first company that had a beer and wine license under one roof with an alternating proprietorship. And so effectively the Terrapin brewery became a winery while we were making product and then magically turned back into a brewery when we weren't making the mead. Keep in mind, we're making all these things simultaneously, right? Like there's multiple fermentation tanks. Um, and so, but we needed paperwork in order to make this all very clear to the government. And our first license took over three years to get. So <sighs> the handshake deal that we had with the owners we weren't effectively doing anything for three years other than filling out paperwork and they have to change their license. They had to amend different things and get lawyers involved and insurance and all these different things. So that was, um, a long time. And at the, at the, the way we did it then too, is all paper. And what would happen is, is you would mail your forms in and then sometimes, you know, 45 days, 60, 90 days later, some piece of paper would come back and it would say, Hey, you need to have this and you have 10 days to get it to us. And you had to notarize everything. And, and then if you missed that deadline, then they put you into the penalty box and the back of the line. And we missed a lot of deadlines. And so, you know, three years took forever. Um, so we, once we got that, um, you know, we've bounced around from, from brewery to brewery, um, mainly because, um, Terrapin 
raised a bunch of money, uh, sold 40% of their business to tours, and then they had enough money to hire a guy to tell them how to manage their business better. And he said, you shouldn't be doing harebrained projects like yeah. making mead for Ask these guys. the mead guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like push those guys to the side. Uh, you need to concentrate on making beer. Um, and then, you know, we bounced around a few different places. We're still in Athens today. We're working at Southern Brewing Company. We've been there about four years. They're a smaller uh, shop. So we were a pretty good fit with what they were doing. Um, we bought our own tanks to set up in their facility. So we're not really uh, encroaching on what they need. And actually, we're providing them with extra fermentation space, which is helpful for them. Because when we're not using it, they can use it. And so we've been there four years and they've allowed me to do a, a little bit more experimentation and develop a lot of our different flavors that have happened. Um, and so we've done that in the last four years. And then keep in mind, right, like this was my idea in 2006. Here in 2021, the world's a way different place, right? Like the consumer is so much more uh, interested in trying wild and different things right like sour beers not that i love these products but like even seltzers and oh yeah fruited ipas and all these wild beverages and cocktails in a can um so i think people are much more excited about trying much more diverse uh scope of flavors that you see in what people are drinking today versus in 2006 you were drinking Bud, Bud Light, Miller Light, Mick, you know, like mm -hmm. all these beers that I would argue all taste the same. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, this weekend I shot the hooch, which is a Georgia thing where you float down the Chattahoochee river. Um, and I brought eight glass cans of mead and people didn't know what they were. There was like, it's in a can. I want to try stuff. Threw it to them 10 years ago. Maybe not. Yeah. They would have been like, you have what? I know. You have mead? Is yeah. it contagious? <laughs> I often get meat. So like people think yeah. I have a meatery. Think, <laughs> I, when I, I saw the sign, I, I did think that. I was like, is it a butcher? I'm just picturing Aaron floating down the Chattahoochee River going, you guys want some meat? <laughs> I'm just meat? like, no. I'm going to throw it here. Hold on. I'm going to throw you some. Like, now I'm thinking about just, I wonder if I freak people out. Because a couple people said they, were, they didn't want it because they had their own stuff. And I was like doing some mead and they thought so got, we ate earlier yeah i have mead yeah if i say that bad that sounds like i got an infection yeah guys uh i have to hate to break it to you aaron has mead so <laughs> <laughs> well i want to hear you guys are partnered with dragon con yeah right um and I, I guess we need to explain what that is to people that don't live in atlanta maybe they already know it's guess, i guess is it just people, atlanta people travel in from all over for it no it's worldwide oh it's, it's a huge, huge audience. But does it just happen in Atlanta? Because I know like Comic-Con's in a few different places now. Yeah. Now now it is, but I think Comic-Con started in San Diego. Right, that's the big one. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Dragon Con was started, I think, almost 40 years ago. Um, I don't remember. There's three guys. And basically they didn't, they wanted to have a convention that wasn't comic specific, right? They didn't want just one genre they felt like all of those things uh kind of work together and and they do and so it's just a giant event in the city it brings in i don't know a hundred thousand people or so and i felt like our product could would be something that would resonate with that consumer 
And, you know, I tried for a while to, to get a hold of them and they're not really big on branding many things. And I think, uh, you know, we had just gotten a handful of awards for quality product. I have these capabilities to do canning and, you know, I presented to them that I wanted to do something that I thought would be really kind of unique. It would be Atlanta. They liked that I'm, we're Atlanta based, of course. Um, and so, uh, we put together Dragon's Nectar, um, which is the official meet of Dragon Con 2020. 2020. Thanks for bringing that today, by the way. Yeah, no problem. No <laughs> I'm problem. just kidding. I mean, Justin, I wouldn't, I wouldn't travel it. anywhere without it, <laughs> except for I forgot it. Got that Dragon's Nectar. That is what I have at home and passed out on the river. Everyone loves it. That's great. I thought, you, I thought you said you passed out on the river. I did not pass out on the river. You passed it out on the river, but you stayed responsible. Mm-hmm. Zero infections. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The Chattahoochee, That's questionable. True. Yeah, you definitely caught something, it but it was not from the mead. Freezing cold diarrhea. All right. All right. Well, not the mead, the river. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so anyway, yeah, I think it's, um, it's a mead that's really approachable to a broad market. Um, you know, the main flavor comes from passion fruit, then there's hibiscus, and then just, you know, we've got to have a little dragon fruit in there. Nice. Um, so it's the combo of those three ingredients. It tastes similar to a fruited kettle sour beer, if you're into that sort of thing. Three Taverns here in Georgia makes a bunch of different fruited kettle sours. Uh, Southern Brewing Company does, does one too called Red and Black. Um, I mentioned Southern Brewing Company because that's where my facility is in Athens. Um, so you know it's a style of beer that I think has become pretty popular. And... Um, and so I, you know, I wanted to make a mead that was kind of in that same vein. Um, and, and it's been received really, really well. And one of the things that we're doing, or I plan to do is continue to make unique packages every year. Um, so it'll be for a little, dragon con specifically. Yep. And that's so, awesome. So, so then it's a little bit of a collector's item and people can look forward to yeah. it. And it's like the McRib if it came in a different package. Exactly. Right. That's a good model for you guys, I think. It's like, what would McDonald's do? <laughs> the uh, My Dragon Con experience, I used to work a corporate job downtown right near where it's all happening. So that week, everybody in my whole building would be like, they wouldn't bring lunches because they'd be like, we're going to go walk through Dragon Con <laughs> and then go eat down at like the food court. But like you would walk downtown in the middle of the day in people in the most elaborate, crazy costumes. Some of them I would recognize from like superhero stuff or you know movies I had seen, but most of them I had no idea what character they were playing because like you said, it's kind of a combination of all these universes of kind of fantasy and superhero stuff and just kind of a all together. And it's uh, people go all out. For their costumes, and it's oh, yeah. it's such a cool thing that you're involved in, and mead makes sense because so much of it kind of has that medieval feel and fantastical vibe. So yeah, and so that that customer or their clients um, get mead, and I think that's why it's such a an amazing uh, fit for it. Mm-hmm. And I think the owners realize that, and so that's why they finally let us do something. And I think you know we've presented their brand because we're we're very much representing them in addition to monks and so i'm very cognizant of making sure we do it in you know the best possible light and make sure that we're over delivering and um, making sure everyone's happy the best we possibly can 
Yeah. Are y'all doing activations there? Like how is the mead showing up at Dragon Con? So, you know, I ship a bunch to my distributor and my distributors selling it to the hotels, restaurants and whatnot. And, you know, every one of those places are just kind of bringing in what they think they can do. And Mm -hmm. so we'll see. Um, if they go, if it goes really, really successful, I have made a boatload. And so we'll have it at the meadery just two miles away from downtown. So I suspect you'll see a lot of those same costumes, Aaron, in our own neighborhood. Yeah. Oh, there great. You go. Bring dragon cons, a bunch you know, of furries. Gonna, I love it. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to send them over uh, to this side of town a little bit. So it'd be fun. <laughs> I, I kind of have a fun story too about dragon con, um, so my wife and I, that was basically our first date. Um, I, I had got some passes and I was like, Hey, let's go. We'll walk costume watch. It'll be fun. Like we'll have a few drinks. And so that's kind of what we regard as our first date. So oh, this is like cute. So this is like our anniversary. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. Did y'all dress up? Um, that year, I don't remember <laughs> if we did, but okay. no, I don't think we did. Um, good thing. If, if one of y'all dressed up and the other didn't, <laughs> then it would be the first date. The, um, <laughs> The, I've got uh, a first date tonight. I'm going as Saruman. <laughs> so, so the question people asked is like, what are you, what are you going to dress up as? Yeah. And so my story is that uh, I did not pick my costume. The costume has picked me kind of like Harry Potter and the sorting hat. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And so the way that this happened was I had come up with something on Friday and then I had a different costume for Saturday and then Sunday we're mostly at the house and grilled out and then we were going to go down to the hotels and like party and you know people watch whatever and i had been to vietnam and i got this very um ridiculous it's basically pajamas but it's got a golden dragon on the back like it's embroidered and so i was like i've got a dragon suit like whatever i'll just wear that so i got flip-flops my dragon suit pajamas and i walk into the hotel and within like three minutes like five people come up and they want to get pictures with me and i was like okay I don't know what this is. And so uh, I, I make it another like 40 steps and then somebody else wants to take pictures with me. And so I, I'm getting stopped constantly to have people take pictures with me. Finally, I had to ask, what am I? Like, yeah. who, who am I doing so well that people want to take photos with me? And so I am Chuck Norris. And uh, so now I can do any Chuck Norris costume I want. Wow. And, uh, and it kind of works. I uh, see it. Yeah. You know, I got, I, I got some Uzis and, um, <laughs> some blue jean sleeveless shirt and like, I'm, uh, uh you know, I can just dive right in and well, that's, I see so, it. I so get you, it now. Yeah. And so you just kind of have to figure out whatever that thing is and embrace it. And, uh, so that's what I'm doing. You just go, what am I? <laughs> There's like your Chuck Norris. You're like. Oh, yes, yeah. I that's am. such a good exercise. Walk around and just ask people if they don't say anything. Like, who do you think I am? And just see what they say. <laughs> uh, what is Chuck Norris's first name? Real first name. Chuck. Carlos. Really? That's some trivia for you. Wow. Um, this wasn't a if, trivia podcast. What is it? No, I, told, I didn't study. He, he he told me that. I'm not kidding. I've been choked out by one person in my life, and it was Chuck Norris. You mean Carlos? I mean Carlos. Yeah, yeah. yeah we were uh, we did a we did a shoot at his little ranch and it was great. And afterwards, he's like, "Do you want to see my like trophies?" <laughs> okay, there were like ten of us, and he took us it's around like, this little no, hangar. No, no thanks, Chuck Norris. <laughs> we'll take a pass on. Nah, we're gonna go back to the hotel and chill. Um, and he walked us through 
it was the most surreal crazy thing he's like yeah this is my friend bruce bruce lee insane <laughs> and there's you're leaving this guy ross ross smith he does instagram stuff with a very funny grandma they're great um he said he's like i i'd regret this if i don't ask you to knock me out <laughs> right now and so chuck was like i don't want to and he's like please please do this so he got him in a headlock and put him to sleep like as soon as he started to go you know he let go and so I was there, and then I thought, I will regret this for the rest of my life if I don't ask. So I asked him to do it to me. And he did it, and he felt bad about it the whole time. But What an Chuck insane Norris, request to make of him. Did he seem like people ask him that all the time? I, yeah, Ross asked that, and he was like, yeah, I've done it a bunch. It's like, yeah, people kind of <laughs> ask me to choke him out a lot. Yeah, don't, don't ask me to roundhouse you in the face. Like at, I'm not doing that. At restaurants and stuff, they come up to us like, you choke me out real quick, Chuck? Yep. So that happened. So do you remember like waking up and being like, what happened? They're just like, Chuck Norris choked you out. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like completely. Yeah, I didn't wake up being like, how long was I out? What, where am I? Like I knew what was going on. Um, it was just, you know, the curtains closed for a second. <laughs> That's an insane story. I can't believe I did not know. I mean, on I think on my dating apps right now, it's like two truths and a lie. People that- are always like, That's a lie. Nah, that happened, fam. All right, Justin. Choke Aaron out. <laughs> yeah, please. Just like old times. They'll take me back. Yeah. Have you gotten that request at Dragon Con? I haven't, and I'm glad that I haven't. It's coming. I, I don't know that I know how to do this properly, and what if I killed a fan? Yeah. Like, that would just be horrible. That'd be bad publicity for Dragon Con and for monks. Right. You yeah. have a ghost. In and the, for in Chuck. The t- hey, you know our mead sponsor? Yeah, he killed a guy. <laughs> that would be some great national news. Chuck Norris impersonator accidentally chokes a guy out at Dragon Con. Coincidentally, he's the guy that makes the official meat of drag. Uh, it's gonna, that's gonna be stupid. yeah, yeah, that's bad. Um, where does your honey come from? Um, Bees, dude. Oh, yeah. that's it. I thought it, it's like that. It's always sunny in Philadelphia episode where he's like, it's a wasp's nest. He's like, do they make the wasps make honey? It's like, no, no. He's like, well, I'm gonna get in there and just find out what delicious thing they do make. <laughs> what do you find? Uh, I had nothing but a bunch of welts on him. Uh, yeah, yeah, fair. Um, we buy honey from a couple of different sources, um, but most of our honey comes from Pennsylvania, from a company called Dutch Gold. Now they source all over the place, and and what what that means is we get a consistent product year round. Um, but you know you can spend a lot of money on honey, and so we use more designer varietal specific stuff on the back end. So fermentation, we'll use the wildflower. And then on the back end, for example, the mead that I just poured you, which is stigmata. And stigmata is um, 9% alcohol. It's floral. So it's red, and the red comes from hibiscus. It comes from rose petals. But there's elderflower, and there's a little hop. So it's got four different flowers in it. And then the bonus fifth flower is going to be lavender honey, uh, that goes in there. And I get that from the Savannah Bee Company. Oh, very cool. Yep. Yeah, familiar with that. Yeah, so um, the owner of Savannah Bee has been a big fan of our product uh, for a long time. And mainly, right, he's he's the honey guy. He's a bee guy. He brought bees to the Caribbean in, I don't remember, uh, Bermuda or somewhere. And so, you know, he he wants to do anything and everything that has to do with, with bees and honey. And 
mead he always tells me is too sweet and he's like but you make meads that are dry so like i liked what you're doing so he's been a big supporter of our brand for for the longest time and um and that's why very cool yeah that's what tim the sommelier we had on told us is that you should always try to describe things with floral uh descriptions so that makes sense this actually has all that a floral mead with hibiscus rose elderflower and lightly hopped yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to do is kind of show how versatile the category can be. So I think if you think about what we've just tasted here, we had the traditional 12%, um, almost champagne-like. Then we had the peach tea. And so the peaches there kind of work with the sweetness. But then you have the tannins from the tea that help balance it out. And so balance is always really important. Um, in stigmata here, you've got a lot of tartness that's going to come through from the hibiscus and the rose petal gives aromatics. Elderflower gives almost a little bit of, um, uh, astringency that I think helps balance things out. Hops also add a little bit of that kind of, um, bitterness to, to balance. Um, so, you know, I think, um, kind of way different styles and we're gonna we're gonna do a meat here in a minute that is gonna mimic a beer so it's the clone recipe so clone is where you, you're gonna you know you can doodle a recipe to any beer today and people will tell you what yeast to use what grains and everything that's in there well mead doesn't have any grain and because it doesn't have grain it's gluten-free so everything we're having tonight don't worry is gluten-free thank goodness yep you're welcome and uh and Which, so, that's that has excited some of my friends so much. Yeah, there's some people that really can't that probably they, have. Yeah, beer. we'll just do a cider or something, and then I think I, I posted a story or something. My friend Chloe like clicked around. She's like, "It's all gluten free." Like, yeah, and she's obsessed. Yeah, she's an alcoholic now. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> her family's destroyed. She loves it. And stigmata <laughs> is also a religious name, right? Isn't that the the like the holes of the crucifixion? Absolutely. Okay. Delicious. So, yeah. So when Justin, where do you think we go when we die? Yeah. Let's no, go. I'm, too, I'm sorry. Go back. <laughs> but then um, the one you just put on the table, which we have not tried yet, is called abstinence in the Abbey. Yeah. So, so that this checks, is a great theme. Yeah. So that one checks the alliteration box for me. So um, and then abstinence is we're abstaining from grain which is gluten, which is beer, which is the norm. Oh. And then in the Abbey, right? So that's where you would get Belgian style. Um, and so this is modeled after my favorite beer, which is Victory's Golden Monkey. And so the Golden Monkey is 9.5. So I was like, we're going to make this 10%. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, got to be, beat them. And, nice. Um, so the hard part in making a beer clone as a mead is – well, you don't have the grain bill. And so the grains are going to create all the different types of sugars and your base for flavor. And so, like, how do you do that if you're doing um, doing a mead? Um, and, and then um, hops. So hops don't work really well, I don't think, in meads. And so I wanted a beer style that was not super hop forward, where a lot of what the flavor that's driving this is the yeast. So we use... Orange blossom honey, buckwheat honey, wildflower honey as their base um, in this to in the same way that you'd use different grains as a beer. And then we use the Belgian yeast and we let it ferment at a kind of a high temperature so that you get a more of an influence from the yeast. And um, and then there's coriander, uh, grains of paradise, and orange peel in it. 
Awesome. And I've been Jeez. talking about this for so long. This I want to taste I it. I honestly did not know I could be experiencing more abstinence than I have been. So please, pour <laughs> me some. The taste of sweet, sweet abstinence. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is an amazing name. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to make that my text tone, Andrew, when you text me. Oh, wow. This is really different than the others. I like it. And, and again, right, like that's what I want to do is I want to show people like this category. These have all been very different from each other. Yeah. It's such a broad category, but it's I don't think I've had this one. Is this at the tap room? You've yeah. not you've not had abstinence? No, I've had a lot of abstinence. <laughs> <laughs> it's still funny, guys. So what's funny <laughs> yeah, is that, I, pre- I presented this to my distributor and we had the the label, right? And he was like, We can't carry that. <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you mean? We can't like, carry that. And and so I think people think of, you know, abstinence is you can abstain from anything right like you can abstain from eating jelly beans or sleeping or whatever that's true when we made the jokes i didn't clarify what i was talking about you're right yeah it could mean anything. <laughs> yeah he, so you've been abstaining from jelly beans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. i can't remember the last time i had a jelly bean so yeah <laughs> <laughs> how long has it been since you jelly bean aaron all right so <laughs> moving right along yeah, yeah. um so anyway it was fun and so the the distributor didn't want to carry it and I was like, look, the Savannah Bee Company is willing to bring this product in. And, uh, and he, that he wasn't swayed. So I ended up going to a bunch of different churches and meeting with uh, priests and ministers and just saying, hey, listen, like, I'm not trying to be offensive in the least. Um, do you find anything on this label offensive? And in fact, the, the guy or most of them came back to me and they're like, no, not at all. Like, this is really kind of fun and it's quite tasty. And it, it makes me believe that you actually understand what's going, you understand what the word means and you kind of know what the imagery is that's going on here. Can I read the label? You certainly may. <laughs> oh, please do. Um, so you've decided to give abstinence a try. <laughs> try it with friends or strangers or lovers. I feel like I'm reading an ad in the yeah. intro. <laughs> Enjoy it in the middle of the day, in the dark, in the city, or a park. That's fantastic. I get it. It's like a like a sex joke. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Uh, that's great. So all the religious leaders you went to were just like, "Yeah, this is delicious," and yeah. it's fine. Yeah, no one, no one. Uh, Did they try it? And do go. you want to name them? Um, I don't know if you I remember. Out them as alcohol drinkers. No, I, I think they're all allowed to drink. Yeah. Hey, by the way, we didn't read the label of oh, yeah. um, on you, Stigmata. Stigmata. Do you want to read it? We featured no, one. I'll no, read no. it. Okay, you're a better reader. Wait, okay. we do um, like a like a troll, like a medieval troll voice. A medieval troll voice? Sure. <laughs> you got that in your Rolodex? All right, My this Lord. is uh, Stigmata. Uh, right, you don't geez, have to do that. that you don't not... want to. <clears throat> a story of flowers. I can't do it. Yeah, don't do it. I hated that. Uh, a story of flowers. <laughs> Flowers have an ancient history of solving many of man's problems, from a dozen roses encouraging forgiveness to calming teas for peaceful sleep. We use hibiscus, rose petals, elderflower, and hops to create a blood red and floral mead balanced to perfection. We think we nailed it. Have one and make monks a part of your story. Skull. Skull. What is that? Skull is... Come on, you saw Midsommar. I did, but I closed my eyes for a lot. It's of like it. Cheers and yeah, like Sweden or I don't Europe. 
It is uh, Stoll would be Scandinavian. over there. Scandinavian. Yep, that's it. Okay. Have you seen Midsummer? The movie? No. Okay, you should watch it. It's horrifying, mm-hmm. but uh, it's. I guess it's good. Aaron seems to think so. You, it's so good. You I did. Watch it. I did it's enjoy great. watching. I'd never want to see it again, but it was memorable. Yeah, I think it. You'd like it. It fits. It fits the um, the Mead vibe. Schoendorf feels like it's from over there somewhere. Okay, yeah, I'm right around the corner. Right? Where, where is that name from? Schoendorf is uh, German for beautiful village. I so, get that. You look so, like a beautiful village. And so there is a Schoendorf town. So the, the original pronunciation, right, would have umlauts and some crazy letters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I don't speak any German, but... Nine? Uh, Nope, none, none, none whatsoever. And it, uh, it's in like the Alsace region, so like France. So maybe my, I had some ancestors that were making some, uh, some wine because it's kind of on okay. the Jordan, the border between France and Germany. Gotcha. I, I believe right, that makes is sense. where that is. Anybody, whoever's listens to fact check can probably email me. But well, they're they're all they already stopped listening because they're like Troy didn't happen or whatever yeah they this got opinions is, already y'all don't believe in Troy we're out of here <laughs> find another white Troy, guy or was it the Trojan horse because the Trojan horse is real Troy the the guy that works for me is also real <laughs> it's a real guy he's a real guy yeah. two out of three of us have seen him Helen of Troy like that was re- I don't know whatever okay um what is they, they, is there they, another one yeah we have one more oh, gosh. this is, this is the last can't handle okay it. I do like this one okay Aaron's tried all of these a lot already. This is my first time. The only one I had had before is the one he didn't bring, so it's perfect. Yeah, this is uh, Andrew at the in the intro. He's always like, "Here's all my stand-up shows because I'm successful. Come see me," and I'm just gonna be like, "Just come to Monks. I'll be there probably every Sunday. I don't know. (laughs) I'll be the guy at the end of the bar. If you want to see me, I don't have shows, but I got (laughs) alcohol. Um, At when you serve people mead at the meadery." What is the correct glassware to serve it in? So, you know, we have, and I think it's on all of our bottles, um, we say drink it out of a chalice. And so we have, oh, we say to drink it out of a chalice. And I think we have an image of a glass that I liked, that I found at a bar years ago. A chalice feels right, yeah. And is that not, i got to talk to my designer. Yeah. What what are we doing? Oh, here it is. Get him on the phone. Yeah. You want me to call him? Uh, Alan. Okay, yeah. My designer. Why isn't that chalice on? Enjoy ice cold. I just chug some. I just chug some abstinence. Oh gosh. Oh wow. We have an abstinence hangover tomorrow. Went down smooth. (laughs) So that's the the glassware that we have at the (laughs) meter. We'll cut that. I didn't mean to say that. Uh, (laughs) All right. Sorry. The abstinence. (laughs) <laughs> the glassware you have at the meadery is the one that's on here. Yeah, it's the it's almost the same shape as what you see here. And so we've got it in a little 3-ounce version and a 10-ounce version. Mm-hmm. And so because we have some stuff that's high ABV and some that's low, but we do not have a lot of space, we only have the two styles of glasses. So, you know, if you're getting something high ABV, it's not like going to kill you. And then we do a bunch of flights and small sample stuff with the 3-ounce the serving. What about like a goblet? Do you have any goblets? Not goblets, but we do have drinking horns on order. Okay, that's amazing. Yeah, it's going to be... That feels like the right way to enjoy mead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It totally is. Uh, So a drinking horn, 
the, some of them are like pointy, right? But those won't sit on a table and that isn't going to be good for my friend like Aaron who likes to walk around and do stuff and maybe he needs to put that drink down. So we got some where they lop the bottom of the horn off. They put a new bottom on it and then it's got a handle. And I came up with this idea just the other day and I don't know if I've run it by you, but we're going to do adopt a horn. And so you will get your own mug and you'll get a little plaque and under the plaque will have your name and then the date. And then you'll get, I don't know, 172 characters to put whatever you want, which is, uh, you know, I've abstained from jelly beans for approximately six years or however long it's been, Aaron. Right. Don't want to call you out or put you on the spot. It's fine. Yeah. But so you'll get that many characters. And so now when you come in, you will have your horn. And so everyone will know that you're a VIP because you're drinking out of your own cool ass mug. Whoa. And then... Um, there will be a cost. So you'll pay, I don't know, $30 or something to adopt it. Yeah, for sure. You get it for a year, but every time you come in, your first drink will be a dollar. So it'll take like five or six visits. That's so smart. And then, but you'll also want to come, not only because you get your first drink for a dollar, but you'll also want to come because your name's on the wall. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you want to show off your drinking horn to friends. Yeah. You and drink. you get to pick out your horn, you know, like, you know, at, at some point, all 45 of them or whatever will be for adoption. And, wow. um, you know, first come, first serve. You fill up your horn with abstinence. <laughs> you could. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, normal. Cool. Um, what is, what's the plan for monks? Like five, 10 year plan. Are we opening other tap rooms? Are we... This is a job interview now. No, I'm just curious. I think he, no, I think he wants to invest. I'm going to invest in a horn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a start. Uh, yeah, that's Aaron, a start. Aaron's going to be Googling like best horn to get tonight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> best horn. So, um, you know, I operate out of a brewery, and my goal is to get my own place. So we're, I'm looking around to see where, where that could possibly be. And, and that's just the metery, like the back end, not a tap room. No, it, it would, it would, it would be both. Right. Got it. So okay. I'd, I'd want something that would have a front of the house experience. And so if I could, you know, do this the way I want to do it with an unlimited budget, uh, my goal would be to buy a church, uh, maintain the sanctuary, uh, that would be for the tap room or we would run it out for, uh, non-denominational weddings. I think that'd be a really kind of cool space yeah. for people. And it, you rent it out, and maybe maybe it includes like you know it's an all you can drink kind of thing, right? So it's fifteen grand or something, and then you have your party of one hundred and fifty people, and you know that's it. You don't have to worry about the booze part. I don't know how that works legally or whatever yet. Um, and then at some point on that property, you build out the production side, right? So that you, we can make all of these different things, and then there's a portion of it that's that's a tap room that's open to general public. And I think that would all be on brand and look pretty sweet. Yeah. And it would give me the, like the, my dream, right? Like I get to control what I'm doing all the time uh, versus working in other people's space where it's, you know, I'm like the guy sleeping on your couch and I'm always making sure I clean up my p- pizza boxes <laughs> and stuff. But it'd be just nice if it was all my own setup. That, that'd be, that would be awesome. Yeah. When it happens, and I'm imagining you walking around in your brown monk robe, just so everyone knows that you're the owner. <laughs> no, I'm just a drinking horn. You're just a drinking horn. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, get the, the friar haircut. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. You should do it. You got to commit. Commit to the bit, you know? I don't know. I, again, I you know, I got into the monks mead for the alliteration, not for some allegiance to monks that I have. So I don't think I want the haircut. It could, why not like monkeys? I, I do like not, it. If it's alliteration, it could be anything. It could have been monkeys mead. It could have been, but yeah, I don't know. No. Does it sound as good? No, it's it's what it should be. Yeah. Monk's mead feels good. It feels right. I mean, I'd hate to go through a rebranding all. Yeah, no, 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 no. You're good. You're good. No. Will you uh, pour me some of that? What is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> open one, uh, great. Yeah, I have no more questions. I think I've had too much mead to think of more questions. <laughs> yeah, I'm all out. Um, there's one more question. I'm going to ask it for the first time ever. Oh, yeah. Um, well, Justin. First, let's ask him where we can follow him. Oh, that's true. Okay. You ask. Thank you. Justin, where um, where can we keep up with Monk's Mead? We've we've got all the social channels. You'll find us on Instagram, Facebook. We're not super active on Twitter, but we're there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, our website, you could, you could go to our website, put your email address in. I send out, so far year to date, I've sent out three emails. So I will email you. But I won't harass you. Yeah. And then what about, um, do y'all ship? Yeah, we do. That's a great question. Thank you. Uh, 43 states, I think. We just turned on Kentucky. So you turned on them like you. Yeah, they can't no, no, have no. abstinence there because you turned on Kentucky. <laughs> no, we turned we turned it on. We now ship You turned there. it on. You didn't turn on them like you guys used to be able to get our stuff. Now you can't. Now. Are there reasons other than you don't like the states that you don't ship to? Um, Should we uh, try to guess them? Yeah, can we guess this? <laughs> All right, I'll go first. Hawaii. Um, you know, I'm not sure if we ship there or not, but because only because I haven't shipped it there, like okay. I, that would stand out. You think and, they don't like Hawaii? I'm just thinking it's probably the, the most difficult ones to ship it to. Yeah, you're for sure not in Idaho. Uh, Idaho, we are in. All right, well, okay. Uh, Utah, we both lost. Utah, they don't drink. Utah, definitely not. Oh, no. good. Michigan is a no. Rhode Island is a no. That's not even a state. That's just a right. A I drop. Thought, I don't know what that is. Uh, we Sorry do to our ship. Rhode Island listeners. <laughs> yeah, Sorry listener. Aaron said that. Is there more than one person there? I, I love know. Rhode Island. Sure. Good point. I've not been. <laughs> but it seems. I have been. <laughs> um, we shipped to Alaska, and I know this because some guy paid uh, $198 to overnight a 12-pack that he paid $48 for to Anchorage, Alaska. You know that guy's drinking it out of a horn. He definitely is. He definitely is. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah, that's an ice fisherman for sure. <laughs> that's a guy who was like, I drove from wherever he lived in Alaska to get to Anchorage to the one place that accepts UPS packages, right? Like, And he's like, I've got a small window to hit, so like, i got to overnight. Smart. I think. Yeah, I don't I'm know. only in Anchorage for a day. Yeah, I, that's it. So he's like, I got to overnight it, yeah. and I need this dragon nectar. That was actually Aaron while he was on vacation. It was. He was having a hankering. I need so, it. I need it. Uh, yeah. Okay, Justin, last question. Um, I've been asking this to all our guests. Our podcast is called No Worries If Not, because Aaron and I have a hard time being assertive, especially in emails. What is your email sign-off? It's very consistent. Uh, cheers. I use oh, it. Cheers. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, you're, you're an alcohol guy. That's perfect. Did yeah. Tim or Samoyer not say that? No, I don't, think, I don't. I mean, think come he on. Did. I don't think he did. It's right there. Yeah. No, he was. Wasn't he the guy that said that he didn't use a sign off? Oh yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I think know. he boiled it down. Where kind of nothing. a sociopath. Once yeah, get, wine sucks. Once guests leave here, I don't really think about them anymore. 
That's good to know. Is that bad? That's, that's so good. bad. Yeah, it's that's good to know. Uh, we, haven't, I, we haven't talked to Rebecca since this. No. Yeah. Is she still alive? Let's, Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, do you commit to going to the meadery soon? I do. I want to go really soon. Okay, good. Yeah. All right, I've got keys. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> oh, after hours. Cool. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, it's good because if you go, then we'll talk about your uh, your wedding present. I'm gonna. We'll oh yeah, that'll we'll, be great. Yeah, we'll send you uh, on your honeymoon with a little something. something. Tonight, I'm going to talk to my fiance about um, about having a mead toast at the ceremony. I not love at, that. At, not at the ceremony. At the uh, <laughs> reception. I now pronounce you skull. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Justin, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Uh, cheers. 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 No worries if not.